We'll do the first part of the morning chanting again. It's page uh, 18. Disciples who have practiced well, Tamayang Pagawantang Sadamang Sasangang. To these, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, I Mehisakarehiata Rahang Aropitehiabipu. Jayama, we render with offerings our rightful homage. Sadhu no bande bhagava suchira parini butopi. It is well for us that the Blessed One, having attained liberation, Bhajima Janata Nukambamanasa still had compassion for later generations. Imesakare du katapana karabude patikanadu. May these simple offerings be accepted. Amhakandi garatang hita yasukaya. For our long-lasting benefit and for the happiness it gives us. Arahang samma sambudo bhagava. The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, Buddhang Bhagavantang Abhivademi, I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. The teachings are completely explained by him. Tamang Namasami. I bow to the Tamma. Sadhu no 
Supatipano Bhagavato Savakasango The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well Sangang Namami I bow to the Sangha Andamayang Buddhasa Pakawato Bubaba Kanamakarangaroma Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Homage to the blessed, noble and perfectly enlightened one Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. We'll have a sitting period now.
new day begins and we start to develop our our life as a community together this uh, particular group of people gathered at this time And when we uh, gather, we can, human beings can gather for all kinds of different reasons, uh, countless different ways of purposes for getting together and being in a single place at a single time, to go on holiday together, to be studying uh, academically, or like this Hall, I believe, used to be a ballroom. We could have all come here in our ballroom gowns and tuxedos, have a dance at the governor's mansion. But uh, we've gathered to understand to, and to free the heart. This is the primary purpose for being here, the cause for us. To, to meet, to be gathered at this place at this time. So we begin the, the day and, and in the evening we gather and use these times for puja, which means an offering, chanting, bowing, and the, the pujas always center around the three qualities of Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, the triple gem, or the three refuges. So the reason why we do this is to help fulfill the purpose that we've come here for. We wake up, get ourselves ready, we gather, and then bring into full consciousness, bring to the center of our attention the qualities of Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. So that we place these at the very center of attention and hold these up. Take these as our, our reference points. We have an intention internally be wise, to be awake, to be collected, to be free. And so we, we use this quality of puja, of offering our attention, offering our heart, our goodwill, towards these qualities, Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, to help fulfill that intention. So it's like an external gesture. It's a gesture of respect, a gesture of gratitude, a gesture of, of honoring. And not simply because of, of a tradition or custom or obligation, habit, but because we see these qualities are the essential, crucial spiritual elements 
we can think of Buddha, Dharma and Sangha in their formal or, or uh, external qualities. The Buddha as the, the teacher, you know, the founder, discoverer of this religious path. The Dhamma, the teachings, the verbal descriptions of that path. And <coughs> Sangha as those uh, who have awakened to that reality discovered by the Buddha or those who have formally committed themselves to being on that path. But the Buddha as a historical figure is not really a refuge. A refuge is a a safe place. It's a genuine, uh, secure harbor, a safe harbor. Something that is invulnerable. And how can a historical figure, someone who's lived a long time ago, who's not present here now, how can that provide security, stability, safety, protection? What makes that valuable, like a jewel, invulnerable? The historical Buddha is an idea in our minds, a memory, a thought. How can a thought, a memory, an idea be a refuge? Ideals or concepts can be something that we, we admire or hang on to, but in the long run, they can't help us very much. So when we talk about the Buddha as a refuge, it's not simply admiring and honoring and revering the historical figure of the Buddha, but that quality of of Buddha which is indeed a refuge, which indeed is a safe place, which indeed, like a jewel, is invulnerable, beautiful, precious. Buddha means the one who knows, or the one who is awake. It it is awareness itself, which is a quality of our own heart, our own mind. It's at the very root of that which is cognizing these words, that which is feeling this moment, the weight of the body, on a cushion, sitting on a chair, the feeling of the clothes on the skin, knowing the moods of weariness or interest, comfort, discomfort. In you, this moment, that very aware quality, that which is genuinely knowing, not just cognizing the data, registering the flow of perceptions, 
but an awareness uh, beneath and beyond that, which is fully intelligent, wise. When we uh, develop insight meditation, as over this, this week together, much of the instruction and meditation will be guided towards this. What we're doing with vipassana meditation, insight meditation, is simply learning to draw upon this innate quality of, of wisdom, this innate awareness of our own being, our own heart. To be that knowing, to be that awareness, which receives, apprehends the, the flow of perception and mood. Beautiful perceptions, ugly ones, lovely sights and sounds, painful feelings in the body, ugly sounds, beautiful tastes, bitter tastes, smells, tangible objects, memories, ideas, plans, feelings of elation and depression, energy and exhaustion, dullness and sourness, freshness and beauty. The more we develop vipassana, truly uncover that quality of wisdom and awareness. The heart rests in that knowing, spacious, receptive quality, embodies that. It is that receptive, aware spaciousness that knows all things, lets go of all things, like a mirror patiently, implacably, receiving all images, all light, and reflecting it, undisturbed, unexalted, unpolluted, unbiased. The mirror, without preference, reflects all things. So too, the the mind of insight, the mind of wisdom, And knows this is beauty arising, beauty ceasing. This is ugliness arising, ugliness ceasing. This is an opinion arising, ceasing. A mood arising, ceasing. A feeling arising and ceasing. And that spacious awareness is cool, loving, impartial, timeless. It's aware of the body and its feelings. It's aware of comfort and discomfort, femaleness, maleness. Aware of sickness and health. Feelings of youth and aging. But it is in itself, it's neither female nor male, not old or young, not sick or healthy. 
those qualities don't apply. It's that which is aware of all of those other fluid and transforming qualities. It's not intrinsically involved in any of them. This is why it's a refuge, a Buddha wisdom. This awareness is a refuge because no matter what the perceptual object is, beautiful sound, painful memory, the feeling of your socks on your feet, that which is aware of them. It's fundamentally untouched by any of those qualities, just like a mirror. The common sense is is not bothered whether what it reflects is known as beautiful or ugly, moral or immoral. belonging to this person or that person. It just reflects clearly, unconfusedly, unremittingly. But taking refuge in Buddha is training the heart to no longer get entangled in like and dislike, success and failure, gain and loss, self and other, beauty and ugliness, and longer enmeshed in hope and, and fear, disappointment. But knowing those qualities, knowing their texture, their feeling as they arise, do their thing, and then fade. This is why it's a refuge, because regardless of what happens in the perceptual field, that awareness is is radically unaltered. It simply knows. And there is the source of a great peace, a quality of ease and contentment, freedom. Nothing can go wrong. A refuge in Dhamma is the counterpart to that. If the Buddha is the ultimate subject, then the Dhamma is the ultimate object. It's the the truth of the way things are. Rather than framing the, the external world or our own body and mind in terms of habitual judgments of self and other, right and wrong, good and bad, how things should be, how they could be, how they ought to be, how they might have been. Seeing objects as belonging to to me or to you, having intrinsic names of a tree or a rock or a country or a person or a 
anything right or wrong. You see that Dhamma is nature. When we take refuge in Dhamma, this is in a way seeing that everything belongs to nature. Inside is Dhamma. Everything that we think of as our body and our mind, this is all attributes of nature. Everything we think of as the world outside, a car going by on the road, someone coughing in the room, the movements of nations and countries, continental plates, these are all simply aspects of nature. The names that we give them, the opinions that there are about them, these are all added on. To take refuge in Dhamma is then to recognize that this is the way it is. This is the way nature is. And beyond the perceptual world, yes, uh, when we chant the qualities of, of Dhamma in the Buddhas that we do, the chanting, we talk about the, the fundamental nature of reality, the fundamental nature of, of all things, a transcendent quality. Anditiko akaliko ehi pasiko opanaiko pachatang veditabo in yuhi. Apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading inward to be experienced individually by the wise. So beyond even the regular perceptions, thoughts, following patterns of, of nature, being ownerless, at a deeper level, the ultimate reality of things, we find this quality of timeless, ever-present, formless reality, that the thinking mind, the perceptual mind, finds it hard to grasp. It is experienced as qualities of purity, radiance, peacefulness. So rather than being caught in our opinions about things, our names of naming of things, judgments of things, refuge in Dhamma is that recognition that this is all part of nature. These are all simply attributes of nature. This is the way things are. So we don't take refuge in our judgments and preferences. Or even in the Solidity of perceptions. 
when we allow the heart to rest in that quality of awareness, then what's experienced is purity, radiance, peacefulness. So refuge in Dhamma is not just uh, kind of admiring the, the Buddha's teachings and uh, hanging on to those as ideas or principles, but a genuine awakening to the fundament, fundamental nature of reality in this moment. But similarly, Sangha, refuge in Sangha is not just belonging to a Buddhist group or admiring the enlightened disciples of the Buddha, you know, which, all of which have their, their use and place in the world. But if we reflect, consider, well, what is Sangha as an internal quality? What is it that it enables us to, to commune, to be that which is perfectly unified with others? The Buddha is that which knows, and the Dhamma is the way things are. Sangha is what arises from that fusion. When the Buddha sees the Dhamma, what arises is the Sangha. When the mind which is aware sees the way things are, what arises is unselfishness. Harmonious activity. The capacity to relate to others, to the world, from a, a place of, of selflessness, respectfulness, virtue. The qualities of Sangha are described as sanditika, as ujjupatipano, um, nyayapatipano, those who have practiced well, those who have practiced directly, those who have practiced insightfully, and so on. And though in the Chantikan, uh, as we do them over these coming days, they on one level refer to those who have fully completed the, the path in the different ways and have those qualities, it's more internally referring to that in us which is able to practice directly. To practice with insight, to practice wisely. Embodying the Dhamma is another way of of, uh, regarding it holding it. And this is a refuge because when uh, we make that gesture, we take that, that standard of unselfishness, then the result is always peace, is always clarity. When we're guided by me first, or 
me and my problems, me here, you out there, the more we exalt and emphasize the the self-feeling, the more vulnerable we are, the more the universe is dangerous and threatening. And the unknown is met with anxiety, fear. The more we take refuge in sangha, take refuge in selflessness, genuinely opening the heart to all to all beings, to all others, to knowing that you know, the nature of all all things is Dhamma, recognizing that fundamental unifying principle. Then again the result is security and when we meet the unknown or the uncertain rather than the result being fear, anxiety, alienation. When we let go of of self, when there's a lack of self-centeredness, then the unknown is apprehended with wonderment. It's mysterious, beautiful, rather than terrifying. So as we uh, develop the refuges and recollect them every day, morning and evening, through the day, still be bearing these, these principles in mind that bowing to Buddha and Dharma and Sangha is what makes them useful and effective is that we're bowing to wisdom, truth, virtue, unselfishness holding up those qualities to be at the the center of attention, to let our life be guided by those, to revolve around those, rather than my projects, my plans, my preferences. My conditioning, my habituations. And then we see the result. If the heart abides guided by the refuges, what's the result? How does it feel? We see and know that for ourselves.
we'll close with the sharing of blessings in English. Page. Page 35. Now let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and gods of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge, unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble Lord, the Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, May darkness and delusion be dispelled. Arahang Sama Sambundo Magawa, the Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, 
Bodhang Bhagavandang Abhivademi I render homage to the Buddha, the Blessed One. Vakatom Bhagavatadamo The teachings are completely explained by him. Tamang Namasami, I bow to the Tamma. Supati Pano Bhagavato Savaka Sango, the blessed one's disciples who have practiced well, Sangang Namami. I bow to the Sangha.